jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out whining about now. All my nerves are shot. They're all worked up. You got them all worked up. (laughs) Well, because first off, we're like having, we're like, you know, having our pre-show talk, right? Like you Uh do. Yeah. And there's what, what is happening in your neck of the manor slash the Burkittsville fucking woods where I'm just (laughs) hearing Ellie Kedward trompling around. Which I'm guessing might have something to do with your neighbor's children being enrolled in an online dance class. You know, I would pre- I prefer Ellie Kedward at this point. If she <laughs> moved in upstairs, I would be fine with that. Esteemed barre instructrix Ellie <laughs> Kedward. <laughs> yeah, that would be preferable, I say. Yeah, 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 that would probably be, even, even she is kinder. Exactly. Um, so we're hearing that, and then... And then I'm telling you about um, uh, this Shirley Jackson, The Lottery and Other Stories collection of short stories. And I'm talking the whole collection. I'm not just talking the short story, The Lottery, where in which I read it and I was like, oh, these are all mundane stories. And then when I finished it, I realized, wait a second, there was a character named James Harris in every single one of the stories almost. And then I was like, wait, but he was always wearing a blue suit. And then I was like, wait. He's in almost every story just wearing the suit, even if they don't name him. And then I became, like, Session 9 paranoid because this fucking creepy-ass guy was in all these stories and I didn't even realize it until I'd finished the book and it was too late. And then you told me about the three men and the baby ghost. And now I'm Googling (laughs) the ghost in three men and a baby. And my nerves are shot and I'm hearing Ellie Kedward and... I feel like Garth in Wayne's World when whenever Wayne does the leprechaun, <laughs> Garth is just like, no! <laughs> hmm. So that's me. Right. I'm on uh, I'm on high alert today. I see. Sounds like you're getting a little hysterical. Maybe I am! <laughs> Why don't we just lock you away in this room with the yellow wallpaper <laughs> and see if we can't cure your hysteria? <laughs> the yellow wallpaper. Thank you. <laughs> I love the yellow wallpaper. Uh, uh, well, I mean, at least you're scared. At least that's something happening. Right? I'm feeling I- a feeling, which other most of the time I just spend time looking at the wall, being like, "Well, I I, I moved today and I ate, yeah. so I guess it's time for bed now." <laughs> I treated myself the other night by sitting on the opposite side of the room. <laughs> You wanted to see how the other half lived? Sure did. Oh, you wanted to see how the dead ghost in the three men and the baby in your apartment lives? <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. I literally sat in a chair that faces in the opposite direction on the opposite wall to read my book. And I thought, this is different. It felt like a, an event. It felt like... <laughs> My own personal Coachella. (laughs) 
Oh, not a not a Who Shot Jr. event. <laughs> like, oh, a television event. Mm. <laughs> that could be. Is it Sweeps Week? <laughs> I love a Sweeps Week event. See her on the other side of the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, look, there's a wall back there. <laughs> I never knew. It's very exciting. This is this is what counts for excitement these days. I gotta tell you. Solo quarantine is tough, man. But Stacy, I have lingering questions and burning yes. issues. I, as always. And I have a burning lingering as well. <laughs> what happened with the Poison Ivy Blu-ray box set complete collection? Oh, you know, I have I have exercised self-control. What? So far. That's right. I have. I did not buy it stacy jane ponder <laughs> i know it's a surprise twist it's sweeps week baby anything is possible <laughs> <laughs> this sweeps week stacy sits on the other end of the room and does not order the poison ivy blue box well set. who knows see i like to keep everyone guessing just when you thought you knew me so well right no i'm sitting over there tonight <laughs> that's right mama had a glass of wine and sat over there <laughs> that was your lucille booth popping balloons <laughs> yeah mama doesn't care mama doesn't care mama has not bought the poison ivy box set <laughs> one of my favorite ethel merman lyrics right there <laughs> So, I mean, I'm not saying it won't happen next week, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Well, see, but this is good. This is good because now we have, now we've established that there is um, continuity on our show, right? Right. So now, you know, there's a narrative thread we can trace or forget yeah. entirely. <laughs> right. This is Sweeps Week. Next week is the season premiere. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe we'll retcon everything that came before. It's true. We could recast everyone. Yeah. We could, uh, you could tune in and, uh, no, that doesn't make sense. I was going to say I was in the shower. I was going to try to reference Bobby Ewing being in the shower in that famous episode of Dallas. Patrick Duffy. Patrick Duffy, where we thought that he was dead the whole time and it turns out he was just in the shower. Wasn't that the finale? It was, I think it was a finale and Pam was like having a dream the whole time. That's a bold choice to make. <laughs> but not as bold as you're all trapped inside a snow globe, but That is also bold. <laughs> I wanna see that right. That could room. be you know what? That could be a reveal. Maybe next week it'll be revealed that I've been trapped in a Love Simon snow globe. <laughs> oh my god, you're just a, you're just another brick in the target wall. <laughs> That's right. Who knew? <laughs> So, I, you know, lest we fall into routine, right? Like, this quarantine is just revealing how that time has no meaning anymore. Days have no meaning. The routine is the thing. So, I'm trying to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I mean, that was last week when we talked about me going out to get the Poison Ivy box set. I have not been out at all. Oh, wow. So you're breathing the same air you were breathing last time we recorded. It's just like 10 breaths that keep recirculating in my house. (laughs) 
Do I have degrading brain function? Probably. <laughs> That's fine. What do I need a brain for anyway to talk about? Scream. <laughs> okay. Well, Stacy, it's so meta. It's really, you know what? <laughs> it's a slasher movie and also a satire of a slasher movie. Oh, shit. I say that lightly. It was revolutionary. It continues to, I mean, it just changed the genre forever. That's all. That's all For better and for worse. But it's fun to, you know, bring up the same old things. Uh, <laughs> which is a good way to start the show. Hey, everybody, we're just going to bring up the same old things. The same old thing. Don't mind us as we shit on your beloved movie. <laughs> yeah. I watched it last night. I did as well. I did as well. Oh, my God. Oh, Matt, look at this meat cue. <laughs> Twinsies. It's been in the news because, lo and behold, Scream 5 be on the covid horizon do you think the s is gonna be a five? Oh, it's gonna be cream five cream five cream <laughs> i've seen that film <laughs> you okay whatever keep your bukkake fantasies to yourself <laughs> Five cream, hashtag all, five cream. That is good. The internet's gonna lose their minds. They they will. Me first and foremost. But I do also love when they put a number in it. Oh, it's 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 how so you bad. Because it, then you know it's a sequel, but then you also don't know how to say the name of the movie anymore. Right. Scream. It's not seven. It's sevenin. The sevenining. The sevenining. So I hope it's five cream. I we'll hope see. it's five cream. I bet it will be, right? It's got to. It is now. Because so. they tried it even with four, where it was scriform. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's going to be five cream. Scriform and scriform and five cream. <laughs> well, yes. So five cream is happening. So far, they just have David Arquette signed on. Uh, well, that's the one everybody was waiting for. So. He is the final girl of the series. Yeah. I mean, they'll all come back, right? Yeah. What else do they have to Nev do? Nev Campbell said she's in talks and is excited for their vision because they want to honor Wes. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. So we'll, so we'll see. <laughs> okay. Also, Cindy is like 50 now, which I'm yeah. into. Like, I, 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 I'd be curious if they're going to pretend that she's not... Or if they're going to just go full Halloween 2018. Oh, God. Do you think that's the direction they're going to try to take it? But better. But I mean, they're going to give her the crazy white hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'll have her mannequin gauntlet. She'll still have her bangs, but they're just white. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, her, her yard is just... um indigo girls cardboard cutouts <laughs> that she dive rolls around gotta go through the maze gotta get closer to fun <laughs> go sydney i love that the indigo girls poster is in the background as her boyfriend is commenting on how she doesn't want to have sex with him and i'm Isn't like it amazing i'm like turn around billy Maybe <laughs> oh well uh, anyway, Scream. Scream. 1996. This movie. This movie is old. 
this movie is getting up there. How is it's that possible? Really getting, it's really getting up there. When we were starting it, I turned to Maddie and I said, I can't believe this is 40 years old today. And he just went, <laughs> what are you talking? <laughs> and I was like, gotcha. Made you think. You believed I mean, it for a second. Yeah. Scream 4-0. Scream 4-0. Halloween wasn't even 20 when this came out. Halloween was like 18. Oh my god. When this came out. Halloween H2O was two years away from happening when Scream came out. You're blowing my mind with these facts and figures. Like, Scream is older than Halloween was when this came out. What? We are ancient. We are ancient. We are ancient and this would be like... I don't know. The difference of time is bizarre because when you think back on Scream versus like Halloween still felt like a long time ago back in 96. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But then like if you look at that time difference now, this would be like, 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 like what's a, what, like, like high tension or something. Oh my God. Like that's the time difference. If we were to make a movie today that was referencing a movie from, from 2002. As being this, like, influential <laughs> birth of a genre. Uh, How? Don't ask me. My brain is deteriorating. So much hap... I mean, granted, 96, we had, there was, like, a good eight to ten years of slasher dearth. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah, slashers were dead. Yeah, because the in the 90s, and, and we've been over this on the show, but I think there's some context to Scream, uh, that the 90s, what, they gave us Silence of the Lambs and Candyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the Carpenter? Um, Prince of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And I guess Mouth of Madness. But the franchises were all dead. Uh pretty much yeah um slasher movies had their heyday had long since been their heyday was like 15 years prior yes um and so this just really scream is kind of like the first movie i mean it's the first in so many respects but it really kicked off the wave that would come to define the bro horror era which is like horror fans are now adults and they're gonna make their own movies god forbid and they're going to pull so much from the shit that they loved when they were young if not directly reference them right like Mm -hmm. scream is such an important horror film yeah yeah it's i mean and i mean in the in the lineage of my just development as a horror fan scream is right up there next to halloween and dawn of the dead as like my entry points my like my cultural milestones of horror yeah, see, I think the people who are a little bit younger than me, mo- like, mostly feel that way about Scream, mm-hmm. um, and have such a fondness for it because it was like an entryway. It was a you know a formative film, yeah. for their life as horror fans. For me, I like it. Yeah, I don't have that love of it. I recognize what it did at the time. Had a grand old time going to see it opening weekend. At a rather, shall we say, raucous movie theater, which is exactly perfect for this movie. This movie kills in a theater. Yeah. Um, And it was absolutely refreshing 
you know, my love of slasher movies to see like Wes Craven making a slasher movie again was like, what? This is so exciting. And it did exciting things, but I don't have the connection to it that somebody like a little bit younger has. Yeah, 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 totally. You know, so whatever. I'm just going to shit all over the movie. You love. <laughs> I don't care who I offend, right? Because, I mean, you have that connection with like um, televisions. <laughs> like, what's, a, what's a satanic movie from? <laughs> From like before Made I was born. TV movie, yeah, from forty years before you were actually born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, oh. but I mean, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, uh, the, the movies from like ten years prior to this were the ones I connected with. Yes, and so I say, scre- I see Scream, I appreciate Scream, etc. Uh, but I was not a teenager when it came out. Yes. So, whatever. But I do recognize its incredible importance in the genre. It really, it can't be overstated. Yeah, it's, I love Scream. Um, it was interesting watching that, because the last time I saw it was, I think, about two years ago when we showed it for Queer Horror. Um, we showed it, like, I think that was our Pride Month programming in June, about two years ago. And in the theater, it was absolutely incredible because, I mean, you get, you get 400 like drunk queers watching this movie. And I mean, just those scenes between Billy and, and Sid where Billy's just like such a fucking cuck asshole. Uh, you get the whole audience just like booing him or you get... You get Sid popping out of the closet in the ghost face thing with the umbrella stabbing him and everyone's losing their mind or Gail Weathers showing up with the gun. Like everyone just lost their shit the whole movie. And it was really great. And um, I think that that kind of environment with a bunch of people is the ideal way to watch this movie. Absolutely. Um, Watching it last night, it was like three of us watching it and it was, it, I, I love it still, but I'm like, oh, this movie is also really for being like so formative it's also really simple <laughs> it's so simple like it's really simple um i'm could have some issues with its construction but i think it's just so fun and really effective uh for what it is mm-hmm. but it's like it's pretty basic simple movie too and that's also very surprising to me yeah i was surprised at um the egregious use of jump scares Via music sting. This... And it's like, oh my god. Okay, so there's a music sting because a school bus entered the frame? <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times you hear... <laughs> yeah, there's one where it's literally just like Sydney's bus drops her off. And it's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, was I supposed to be as afraid of the bus? The, I have to say, if I have any real critique of this movie... This sound design, including the fucking Marco Beltrami score, is completely out of control. (laughs) It really is. It is completely out of control. And it paved the way for all horror sound design literally up until like five years ago. Yeah. All horror sound design followed these exact tropes until, like, maybe until James Wan, like, started to be like, what if we just added creepy strings? But then he still did the same thing with overpresent soundtracks. 
Mm-hmm. It's bombastic. It is insanity. It is too yeah. much. Yeah, it's too much. It's it's fun to. I don't know. Like the first time I saw it, like I said, the theater was out of control, and it was such a hoot. But one of the things I loved about this movie is that I thought it was genuinely scary. Like it was a scary slasher movie. And now it's hard for me to relate to that because I'm like, I don't know if it's just that I've seen it so many times or, and you know, movies tend to lose their power as you go on or whatever. Yeah. But watching it last night, I was like, this is not, it's not really scary. Like I think the opening scene is pretty scary. Uh, Yeah. Um, the rest of it to me just and I think it had to do with the way it's shot. It's like just very bright. There's no lurking really. And that's what worked for me in the opening was like, you know, when Casey is looking out a window and we the first time you see Ghostface run by in the background and you can't even really tell what it is. And it does that thing that I know we both hate. Uh hate in terms of it's so scary. Um, where you're in a you're in a big brightly lit room at night with big open windows and you can't see out them. Mm-hmm. It scares the shit out of me. Also, yeah. let's be real. R.I.P. Casey Becker. Drew Barrymore fucking sells it. Oh yeah. I mean, what and how? What? Uh, what a thing that was to do to kill Drew Barrymore in the <sighs> first five minutes. Of mo- it's pulling a real Marion Crane. Full on, on full on Marion Crane. Full on Marion Crane. You know, her face was the biggest on the poster. She was the biggest star. And to set her up and to just kill her off brutally at the beginning was... Oh. It just let you know that, like, everybody is a potential victim. If they're going to kill Drew Barrymore so viciously... America's then... sweetheart? America's sweetheart? No, Poison Ivy? No! <laughs> Poison Ivy stands in their cosplay at the theater. <laughs> My red blazer skirt. Like, no! Um, but it just let you know that everybody was a potential victim. Like, it just like it just let you know right away that all your expectations had to be thrown out the window. Whoa. And then for it to turn around and quote us the rules of slasher movies as it goes on, it was like... I don't know what to think anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's referencing that movies exist. (laughs) Right. Which now feels like a very simple concept, but. Well, now everybody does it. But it also, when they do the, and I get it's a cheeky little cameo, but when the janitor is dressed exactly like Freddy Krueger and his name is Fred. (laughs) And it's Wes Craven. (laughs) And it's Wes Craven. I'm like, is Randy not going to pick up on that? Like, every student at this school is well versed. Like, this is the Quentin Tarantino effect, right? Everybody is a fucking video store clerk. Yes. And knows every, like, apocryphal, trivial thing about movies. Although, I will say, for being such a film nerd, when Randy was like, Jamie Lee was always the virgin until Trading Places. It's like, excuse me, are you forgetting about the fog? Thank Randy. you. Randy. Thank, Thank you. Randy you. did okay. forget about the fog because it's not technically a slasher film. He said horror movies. Mmm, <gasps> you're right. All right. Okay. We okay. see you, Kevin Williamson. We see you, Kevin Williamson. Excuse me. I have a blog 
Okay? You cannot. <laughs> you just... think you're so cool because you knew Mrs. Voorhees was the killer in part one? <laughs> I mean, my God, what this film hath wrought on all of us, right? <laughs> it's the same. It's the Quentin Tarantino effect. After Pulp Fiction, like, how many imitators did we get? Yeah. Uh... Yeah, now we're all just insufferable. <laughs> Scream fatigue just thinking about it. We're all randies. The whole insufferable... Oh, God forbid. So many randies. The internet is nothing but randies. Film Twitter is nothing but randies, right? I liked Randy when I was young. And now I watch this, I'm like, shut up! (laughs) Shut up! You're just Twitter! Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But I did love the scene in the video store where it was popping, though. It right? took me back. I was back at the right Hollywood back. video in my hometown, mm-hmm. browsing the shelves, standing between the Child's Play 2 box, which terrified me with Chucky and the scissors, and then staring at um, Bad Girls starring Drew Barrymore as a bad <laughs> cowgirl and being like, ooh, this looks so <laughs> naughty. Like, I was back in it. <laughs> So much of it brought me back. The plum-colored lipstick on the ladies. Oh, the, the, the sea of khaki. The sea of khaki. Uh, Sydney's mom jeans. Everyone, right? when the when they're walking back from school and the camera pans back and you just see the sea of those light blue high-waisted jeans <laughs> that every single person <laughs> is wearing. Yeah. If this movie is not sponsored by Big Rib Sweater... Then every item of clothing is ribbed. At the least, Tatum definitely. It should have said Tatum's outfits by Contempo Casual. <laughs> right. Or hit or miss. Oh my god! All those chains that are gone now. It just was such a like big ribs from my pleasure sweater <laughs> hug, right? It just, I mean, 2000, like, September 11th was still a few years away. Yeah. Video stores were hopping. This was before we had discovered, like, the cool, like, iMac, like, bright colors. And, like, maybe instead of just khaki, they're also cargo shorts. Like, before we found that more enlightened era of fashion in the late 90s. It's notable that Billy has a cellular phone. Oh my god, that that's a plot point that they're like the sheriff is like, "What are you doing with a cellular telephone, son?" <laughs> yeah, like man, would I love to go back to that time. Right? The moment of horror when a phone falls out of your loved one's <laughs> shirt and you know that means they're the killer. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so it's uh, it's got its own nostalgia for yeah. sure. Also, has 1996 ever looked more like the 80s? <laughs> like, it's That's just... true. This version of the 90s feels so... I, I guess I just think of Clueless, which is funny because Clueless was like rich kids in Beverly Hills. Well, this is Woodsboro, like, millionaire town. Everybody lives in a fucking castle. Everyone lives in a goddamn vineyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's all a bunch of rich white kids, right? I mean, you saw Sid's ha- her fucking Chateau Prescott with her goddamn, like, 
uh, vineyard wine tasting balcony that seats eighty. Mm-hmm. And Looks that's out only, over the valley. Yeah, and that's only yeah out on the rolling hills, and that's only one level of her balcony experience. As we see her walking up to another level on this yeah. like wraparound structure. Yeah. <laughs> what the? F- but then you get the interior of the house, and it's all light pine and pla- green plaid, and like <laughs> <laughs> a pier one duck. And the whole last act is at Stu's family house, which is like the fucking Winchester mystery house. Yeah, with all those doors and... Yeah. Like, ten stories high. Like, who are all these wealthy California people? It's all... The house is all stained glass and doilies and chairs with matching fabric that matches the doilies (laughs) on the curtains, and it's just awful. I love the interiors. They're horrible. (laughs) It is clueless, the horror movie. Yeah, because, like, it's it's so... But that's the thing, 1996. It was a year after yeah. Clueless. Um, we got three very formative teen films but in that one year, between 95 and 96, with Clueless and Scream and The Craft. Yeah. Um, two ah, two Skeet Ulrich and Nev Campbell pictures in there. Yeah. They were busy. The Craft. I went to see that at the movies. And when I came out, my car had been stolen. <gasps> yeah. So that was fun. Uh, what a great couple of years for movies. Yeah, for real. Hmm. Yeah, and then hmm. 9-11 happens. And then, and then 9-11 happens. And, yeah. I mean, and really. we got hostile instead. Um, we got hostile. So what? Drew Barrymore gets a call. It's a boy that says, do you like scary movies? She gets murdered. Everyone in the town's like, oh no, people are getting murdered. And then Nev Campbell's like, help, I have trauma from the past because everyone calls my mom a slut and she's dead. And it's been a year and my boyfriend is mad because I won't fuck him. And then more people get killed and they all get killed according to the rules of the horror movie because everyone's seen the horror movie until there's a big party and they're like, hey, we're all getting killed. And now... It's the boyfriend and the best friend that did the killing because they liked the scary movies and it messed them up, but also because Sydney's boyfriend is a cuck and his he's sad that his mommy left. <laughs> <laughs> so Sydney must die. Makes sense. The end. <laughs> Scream. Makes sense. And then yeah. the music goes boing. Yeah. And that and that and that font. Right? Oh, that font. I had that font on my computer. I downloaded that font so I could write scary titles. <laughs> when the Scream title happened and I saw that font and then it was over, I said, that's not the actual titles, is it? In like, the very beginning? Rem- yeah. When I it goes, <laughs> scream, 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 scream. And it's like that font, but a couple different colors and it's jittery. And I was like, that's not actually. Yeah. Oh, it but is. it was. It is. It was. Just like you said, but this can't be the score. <laughs> but <Right>. it is. <laughs> yeah. And it made Marco Beltrami's career. It really did. I mean, this movie, it made a lot of careers. Uh, it revitalized careers. West, I, I think, honestly... And when you talked about how scary um, the opening, the night opening scene is still scary. I agree. Um, I think a lot of that is, I mean, just that the script, the com- convergence of the script, the directing, Andrew Barrymore's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I have to say is that 
while I love the rest of the movie, and I don't mean, I, I feel like this is a contentious statement just because Scream is so beloved, but there's the opening scene and there's everything else. Oh, for sure. And while we can say Scream made these careers or gave Kevin Williamson his career or gave Marco Beltrami or revitalized Wes Craven's career and gave him like that rare thing that a lot of horror directors don't have is like having well-regarded work in the latter half of their career. Um, I don't think it's the movie itself. I think it's all that opening scene. Hmm. Like, I think that opening scene is the re is I think, I think Kevin Williamson got real lucky with that opening scene. Hmm. Uh, I would agree with that to an extent. I think it's the opening scene. And I do think Randy being like, the virgin always dies. Like all his bullshit was like, this was the first time that was done. Yeah. And I think it was like a way for horror fans to like jerk off and be like, Oh, I know what he's talking about. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's that, that whole, the meta thing that everyone keeps to the point where, to the point where you get to scream four and everyone just says meta, but nobody knows what it even means anymore. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I just, I just think it's, that opening is so iconic. I think its reputation as a horror movie owes to that opening. Yes, absolutely. I think if it didn't have such a scary, straightforward horror opening that the rest of the film really lacks, for the most part, um, I think it would be seen more as a comedy than it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's a lot of daylight. It's a lot of light pine yeah. and green plaid. Like it's, right. And then yeah. you have that truly terrifying and just such so iconic intro that you're never going to. Fr- and that's the thing is that every instance of Scream that would ever follow after this tried to replicate that opening and never, mm-hmm. never was able to achieve that. Yeah. Like every movie, every TV show of which there were several, like they were never able to try and capture what happened in that intro. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's why I said that, like, it wasn't scary. Like, the, the opening still works. I probably haven't seen this movie in, like, ten years. Um, it's not one that I watch regularly. Um, but I guess I was surprised at how unscary the rest of it was. Because in my mind, I think going on how great that opening is, mm-hmm. my brain is like, oh, yeah, Scream is so scary. It's, like, funny and got the satire, whatever, but it's also really scary. Yeah. And the rest of it is not. No, it's which not. Which is fine. But is it fun. is really fucking fun. Right. Even if yeah, it's, it's not a good scary. Time. Absolutely. Um and that I I think it's 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 funny to watch Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson and the people making this actually just have a good time making this movie, which I think really yeah. comes through. Yes. Do I wish Matthew Lillard had a little less of a good time? Of course. I always think that. He's just always so much. He's so know? much. I I have to say, though, I was surprised this time because I remember always being very annoyed by Stu. And I mean, I think he's supposed to be an annoying character. Oh, yeah. But this time, I was actually really, I really enjoyed Matthew Lillard and how much of a good time he was having. Oh. I surprised myself. Okay. 
You That's... know what? What I my was more critical of. I thought Skeet Ulrich was terrible in this movie this time oh, around. Oh sure, yeah, he was just brooding the whole time or trying to brood. One facial expression. He is uh, just such a cunt. <laughs> like, he really is. He's, he's such a jerk. He's just so. And it's like Sydney. What are you doing, man? Like we you know, know she has some severe trauma, but girlfriend, he's not the answer. <laughs> yeah. I agree. With his with his his Eon Flux bangs and his <laughs> ripped tank top and his, his perpetually wet hair. His wacky fingers that he does. Like it's just like girl. <laughs> Drop yeah. this Johnny Depp impersonation. <laughs> I think that's what he was going for. Right? I mean, Wes, he was trying. Yeah. To, he was trying to Nightmare on Elm Street it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the many times they reference Nightmare on Elm Street in this movie. I mean, Get it? <laughs> could this movie exist without Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Halloween? Right. Like, they wouldn't have nothing to talk about. I mean, granted, <laughs> that's the point. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It's fun to look at it and say, were we ever so young? <gasps> yeah, now you look at Rose McGowan and then you remember this is a Miramax movie and you say, oh, no. <sighs> oh, no. Was this the one? Right. Uh, I had a good time until I saw that name in the credits. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always the way it is. And I was right? like, oh, God damn. We literally, all of us in the room went, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just looking like little babies. Right? Yeah, everyone's a little baby. Everyone's a little baby in it. What I will say about Skeet Ulrich is he also, I mean, as much as I loathe him in this movie um, and find him vaguely unattractive, I have to say Skeet Ulrich today circa riverdale here's my business card (laughs) (laughs) call me if you want to do some business call me if you want to have a lunch meeting (laughs) if that is your real name i see um all right so that just putting my biases out on the table okay well Um, i hope he's listening i hope so too (laughs) i appreciate that aside from wes craven freddy krueger that the one horror cameo in this is from linda fucking blair linda blair as the only reporter nearly as insufferable as gail weathers (laughs) she all i mean thinking back to that time she also was (laughs) erased from time at that point like she was doing exorcist documentary interviews yeah and otherwise like what she had done repossessed a few years before that yeah but nobody was taking her seriously so it's it's nice to see her as as small and terrifying in real life as she really is right um love seeing linda blair loved i loved the fred the janitor thing as stupid as that reference is Mm -hmm. um seeing fonzie come back for this because that was i think this was the beginning of Henry Winkler's, like, resurgence. Right. He's, like, not even credited. Oh, he isn't, is he? Like, they didn't point to him at all, I guess, because then he would have been the biggest star. Yeah. Of it. Because all the teens still loved Fonzie. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Right, we had TV land back then. We knew. (laughs) Right, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good. It's, uh, I think it's, like, a last glimpse 
into a sort of like as cynical as the 90s were like gen xers and all that like the 90s are so cynical there's also this movie straddles between the two worlds of being like especially now when you look back on it of being like cynicism free mm-hmm. but also it's the beginning of sort of being too cool to be scared by horror movies knowing everything there is to know there being rules that everyone's aware of like it just seems like even though it doesn't figure into the film itself it just seems like a harbinger of social media to me yeah 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 of like social media attitudes and interactions yeah yeah and self-referencing irony yeah that all of that kind of thing yeah yeah yeah. And it, it yeah, feels- it, it absolutely also shifts, I mean, how everyone in film, how people in movies talk about movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's I mean, wild. like, like it, even none re- of it is, like, none of it is deep. Do you know what I mean? It's not like it's filmed in such a way that makes us think about the way movies are constructed or whatever. It's literally just some fucking ding dong being like, the virgin dies last. Yeah. <laughs> Like, maybe Kevin Williamson loved horror movies. Maybe he actually read Men, Women, and Chainsaws. Or at least parts of it. And then somebody... It's like somebody read my first three posts on Final Girl out loud into a movie script. It's not particularly deep, you know? Uh-huh. And yet it was revolutionary. Well, it, yeah, it, it did something that nobody else was doing at the time, and it resonated. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and this true, like, I mean... Granted, Wes Craven is absolutely, I think, owed the horror master status after creating Nightmare and um, and a lot of his films of the eighties. And and I mean, I'm not I'm not a big fan of like Last House on the Left or the older ones that are just like like Last House on the Left is just more of an assault. Um, but like, I mean, he deserves that horror master status. But then when you look at Scream, like it's it's the directing is so simple the setups are so simple the shots are so simple that's you know i thought that while i was watching it and then i'm like do i love wes craven like Like, i'm not trying to be a dick it's just no i don't think think he really tried that hard with this movie except the intro Well, no i think part of it comes from the fact that he was like getting out of horror because he was like tired of the violence, tired of the misogyny and the cruelty against women and all of that. Yeah. And I think that attitude is commendable. I also think it shows in almost in like every one of his movies. In yeah, that yeah, yeah. like his movies, like they'll have like one whiz bang set piece. Like probably Tina's death in a nightmare on Elm Street. You know? Or like like and Glenn's too, I guess. Um but like post Nightmare on Elm Street or, like, everything he did outside of his work in the early 70s and Nightmare, it's, like, it's all PG-13 feeling. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's from his, the aversion that he had to that kind of on-screen violence. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, it, so it's, it's straight, it's, and it's, I don't know why I feel such, like, trepidation. I feel like, like, this feels, like, more contentious than our episode from, like, two episodes ago, where we were, like, talking about real problems in the community. Where it's, yeah. like, to try to, like, be, like, okay, well, maybe Wes Craven really... <laughs> it's really distressing. Yeah, I feel so vulnerable. I've, kind of, I've always maintained that, of, like, you know, like, he's fine. I, nothing he's done has... I've Have I, like, 
super duper fallen in love with. Like, I respect some of his stuff more than I love it. Yeah. I feel like a, a warm fuzzies, like, ah, uh, Uncle Wes kind of vibes from him, you know? Right, When I yeah. think about him, but... But otherwise, yeah, I don't think he was... I And I think... And that, I mean, we'll get to these, but I think that was one of my issues with the sequels is it felt like he was just pointing a camera. Yeah. And to some extent that happens in this film too. But you have a genuinely fresh script. Right. And really great uh, actors. Yeah. That would then like kind of set the mood for an entire generation of upcom- upcoming horror actors. Yeah, there's nothing particularly like stylistically incredible about it. Um, no. I think like if Wes Craven were still alive, um, and both he and John Carpenter had new movies coming out, even given John Carpenter's track record of the last who knows how long at this point. I would be more interested in slash excited by the prospect of a new John Carpenter movie. Yeah. Because at least, like, he was, I think he was just more of a craftsman, yeah. I think. And at least it would have great. killer music. Yeah. <laughs> Instead yeah. of... <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, should we talk about Sydney Prescott, Final Girl? Sydney Prescott, Final Girl? Uh... Uh, Esquire. Yeah, I love her. <laughs> yeah, I love Sid right? Prescott. She's truly Sid is like one of my. I mean, next to Laurie Strode, those were my two my 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 gateway final girls. Yeah, she's definitely a strong contender for the crown. I think she's a um, fucking. I think it, it all. I mean, you know, her last line, not in my movie. It's like. <laughs> She just shoots someone in the head and then doesn't think about it. <laughs> right, her boyfriend. Yeah, just shoots like, him and it goes, oh, dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a cheesy, like, kill line, right? Like, cool one-liner. Yeah. But it also is, like, separates her from the final girls that have come before. Yes. Well. Where she's more of an active participant in her own sort of narrative and destiny versus take Laurie Strode, who in Halloween H4O, her narrative is still completely defined by Michael Myers, even though he doesn't give two shits about her. Absolutely. Where where Sydney is like, no, this is the way my life is going to be. I mean, yeah, well, the only time we get Laurie Strode survivor, like, I mean, well, I mean, Laurie is is quintessentially the survivor, but that's it. She just endures the acts. Right. Right. In all of the films until... I mean, I would argue H2O is the only one where she actually, like, activates her herself as, mm-hmm. as like, final woman, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's where she fights back and takes control of her story. But mm-hmm. Sid Prescott did that two years... What do you know? Sid Prescott did that two years before Laurie Strode did it. Before yeah. Jamie Lee went to Kevin Williamson and said, I want you to write a treatment for a movie I'm thinking of. Right. Um, and, and Sid is... It's funny that she gets this, like virginal like emotional traumatic past kind of thing that nev campbell plays so well with that face of hers yeah she listens to the indigo girls she listens to indigo girls she calls 911 <laughs> on her computer <laughs> 911.com <laughs> like she um she she can bend the laws of physics with a closet door um but like 
she and and I think down the line Sid becomes in the sequel she becomes more this trope of like the the sullen sad survivor the pure sad survivor right um and she still fights back in the sequels but in this one like watching her break the rules mm-hmm. like Sid having sex with Billy is a big fucking thing especially back then right and it's clear I mean the fact like yes it's annoying that he's obviously pressing her to have sex but the the fact that she has been saying no and now she's decided to say yes makes her consent a big thing like it's mm-hmm. her decision that it's going to happen right now mm-hmm. which often isn't usually afforded to women in horror movies or right. in real yeah. life and especially for the final girl like so few of them have ever had sex um have anything from the neck down yeah um you know and so just for it to be made a point like a small point but it is like totally her consent she decides right then and she takes control of her own narrative and her own life and for her and to do most that. for her to do that was revolutionary like you know the final girls before even my beloved ones it's like by the end of the films they're basket cases um, you know, they're just hauled away in the ambulance or whatever. By Chris Higgins. <laughs> by Chris Higgins, I guess you're crazy now. Um, you know. Or like even Nancy Thompson, who's such a badass in I hate saying badass, but I mean like, you know, such a proactive sort of final girl in a nightmare on Elm Street. That experience has like not necessarily in a bad way, but that experience has defined her entire life. Yeah. She got that white streak in her hair. And she kept it. And she became a counselor for uh, other troubled children. You know what I mean? And then like she dies. which is which is laudable and then she dies. But it just seems like Sydney like if for a movie that is so meta and acknowledging all the rules, she just says that's not good enough for me in my life. Yeah. This is what I want. She's so cool. She's so cool. She's so she the number of times she throws things at people and does like fucking flips and kicks and just slamming doors. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she is like Laurie Strode runs. Right. And screams and whines. I mean, whines like, you know, in a wonderful way of keys, keys. <laughs> but like Sid is actively fighting the entire movie. Yes. And Oh, it just, for me, it just so comes to life. And I don't, honestly, I can't think of another moment that is this level of, like, feminist agency fucking cool up until, up until the more recent era of The Witch and Suspiria, where you get that ending where she completely flips the script on the killers mm-hmm. when they turn around and she's gone. And, yeah. she, and then she puts on the costume and you're like, you didn't have to do that. She didn't have to put on the costume. But, and, and also, did she have time to hide her dad and also put on the costume and hide herself and find an umbrella and get the cell phone and get the voice record and place the call and boot up right. the phone? Like, Yeah, she's a real sort of ancestral predecessor to um, Aaron in your next. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think Sydney is like one of the most revolutionary things about this film. It, you know, in a film that came to redefine a genre and set the stage for the genre for years and years to come, like we're still feeling the repercussions of Scream. Yes. And it's like Sydney is one of the biggest aspects of all of that. 
And I just want her to get some acknowledgement. She's fucking awesome. And as much as it doesn't make sense for her to be wearing that costume, seeing her pop out of the closet after calling the killers and pulling the exact same routine on them and terrifying them and then just Mm -hmm. stabbing that piece of shit in the collar twice with the umbrella. Yeah. It was just, that was, at the queer horror screening, that was everyone lost their goddamn minds. Yeah. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Like someone was there, um, one of the audience members was there and he had a um, a Sid Prescott tattoo, com- like said her name and oh, had wow. a quote from her. And like, I mean, but he was like, and he met with one of the performers. Actually, this was a different show where we had a performer playing Sid Prescott, but he met with the performer and like just told told her how much Sid meant to him as like a gay person and a Aww. survivor. And it was just like, that's true. She really is that for a lot of people. and for a lot of final girls like she's really fucking cool i love nev campbell i love sid yeah she is her her life is informed by what she's had to deal with um her tragic backstory or whatever but it doesn't come to define her as a person which I think is a really important journey Mm -hmm. for her to take unlike billy (laughs) Right. Something that I do think Kevin, I, and I, I mean, I, I, ha, I make fun of Kevin Williamson occasionally. I love uh, his contributions to visibility and, and, you know, both Scream and Halloween H2O. And, and I mean, I also have a, a little love for the, the faculty and I know what you did last summer too. But mm-hmm. like, um, but his career has been interesting to watch, but, but. To see what he did with these characters and what he allowed um, Sydney to get and, like, Gail to get. Like, Gail doesn't need to live. Like, she could have easily died at two different points in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But, of course, but he knew she needed to live because he knew we would love her. Um, Right. (laughs) I I mean, I wish Tatum got that. But, you know, well, you also have to kill some people. But, um seeing that Sydney gets this backstory and she she and Billy basically have experienced more or less not the same thing but similar things in that Billy tries to compare their experience where Mm -hmm. it's like like he he gives her all this shit about like oh my god you haven't you haven't been the same since your mother died it's been a year (laughs) which is just like what the fuck yeah in the scene that was famously remade with um Tori Spelling and Luke Wilson in Scream 2. <laughs> yeah. uh, and in another universe, we have that actual movie. But um, he tries to compare that, but it's like, oh my God, but you are the one saying, like, giving her shit for not getting over it. And here, look what you're doing. Right. <laughs> you're killing all of these people because your mom left. Your mom's still alive. Laurie Metcalf is out there on a message board somewhere being fine. <laughs> Right. And also, he's literally the cause of Sydney's trauma. Yeah, he's the reason that it all happened. Yeah. And so then to, like, call her out for not coping with it, it's like, well, she wouldn't have had to cope with it if you didn't fucking do yeah. it to her. Turn that high power perception <laughs> back on yourself, <laughs> Billy Loomis. I can smell your cunt. <laughs> Sorry. As all the teenagers at the party turn and look at Clarice, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? It's Laird Duton. It is not 
Gene after bath splash, no matter how much we all would love it to be. <laughs> Is there a Frederica Bimmel she, at this party? Is there a Frederica Bimmel? I'm sorry. She's, she's, a, she's a big girl. Yeah, she's about a size 14. <laughs> I, I'm at the wrong house. About a size 14. Oh, great. James Gum is here. <laughs> Who isn't at this party? <laughs> this is so meta. Everyone's at this meta Lillard Palace. <laughs> And that's what I love about Scream is the scene when Buffalo Bill and Clarice Starling show up. <laughs> Clarice is going to solve the crime. Oh my god, that movie was five years old when this came out. Oh, we were such little babies. Oh, so young, so full of potential. Um, full of potential. Oof. And you see the results, folks. <laughs> so Billy's a little shit. Um... Stu's in love with him, right? Stu is, I, you know, that's what I was asking myself is, is there a gay component here? I know Kevin Williamson it wrote little, it. Leopold and Loeb. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, who were also, uh, film, filmicized with rope. Right. Um, it, I personally don't get the gay vibes. Uh, mm-hmm. But primarily, I don't get them from Billy. Like, I've heard people say yeah, that Billy yeah. and Stu are a couple, blah, blah, blah. And, like, we all have seen the scary movie parody, you know, and how they were gay. But also, that's probably just homophobic comedy. Right. Um, but I, but there is something to Stu. Yeah, for sure. And there's something of the proximity to Stu to Billy and how he leans his chin on Billy's shoulders and is very close to Billy and feels very betrayed by Billy when Billy stabs him. And is doing this because Billy wants to do it. Mm-hmm. You know. And maybe, oh god, if your girlfriend was super fucking cool and hot like Tatum, <laughs> why would you kill her? Right. Unless you're gay and in love with Billy. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Oh my god, maybe he is gay. Billy, I think, just hates women. Like and that, Billy hates women. You know, and that's most straight men. So. Yeah. Billy is Billy is 4chan. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. He's, he's just a shit. Yes. He's the he's one who just... murders the school because she turned him down for prom. Yeah. He's he's at the Baskin Robbins not wearing a mask. Right, yes. Is who Billy is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I love the, you mentioned Tatum. I do love the Tatum-Sydney friendship, that it's like, oh. that Tatum can be honest with her and be like, your mom was a big slut. <laughs> <laughs> like, I appreciate that it's like a real developed friendship for once. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's, Tatum in that moment, saying that to Sydney, that she's like, well, you know, Sid, there were stories about before. Right. That's a real friendship. Yes. And Tatum did exactly what Kyle Richards did when Kyle went to Lisa Vanderpump and said, Lisa, (laughs) people are saying that you're always lying. Exactly. And did, because they were good friends and real people, unlike Lisa Vanderpump, did Sydney scream at Tatum and say, I'm never speaking to you ever again and I'm leaving this movie right now? Goodbye, Kyle! (laughs) Goodbye, Kyle! What a movie it would have been if Sydney said goodbye, Tatum, and, that and was she that. just leaves, and she there's leaves. no way. Yeah, <laughs> Denise Richards would then show up. Right. Well, 
Not a bad trade-off. Why was she never in a Scream movie? She should have been. Oh, man. That was her era. I mean, Maybe she'll be in Five Cream. Oh. <laughs> Let's start a fan petition. <laughs> we'll start a hashtag for Five Cream starring Denise Richards. Denise Friff, Five Richards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so uh, yeah, I you know. I love Tatum. Yeah, I love Rose McGowan. I love. I mean, I I have a deep seated love for Rose McGowan. Um, as much as I recognize her as a problematic fave today, um, also circa Ozzy Argento, but like, I just love Tatum. Yeah, she had such an impact on me in my youth. Aww. She's so cool. Yeah. Um. Her outfits are so cool, even as awful as they all are. <laughs> like, yeah. She's just, she's just a good girlfriend. She really is. I love a good friendship, but especially a good friendship between girls in movies. Is... I also, I yeah, and I, that's nice to see. I feel like Kevin Williamson is kind of a feminist writer in this, in this script at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh that said tatum is also clearly the stand-in for kevin williamson slash like the gay male (laughs) (laughs) like i'm like what teenage girl is renting all all the right moves so that you can pause it at the right time to see tom cruise's penis right and is also talking about the richard gear gerbil story (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm like tatum has some gay uncles or she sneaks out at night and goes to the gay bar and entertains everyone yes Tatum has her solo show that she does at the bathhouse, like, <laughs> which is also next to the vineyard that they all live at. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. So, well, scream, scream, man, Gail Weathers, Gail Weathers, Gail Weathers, and her, her fluorescent business <laughs> attire, fluorescent. That bitch is wearing a fluorescent suit lime green it's so lime that it's so it you can you just feel the acid reflux (laughs) the acid acidity of that lime burns you just by looking at that costume yeah yeah wow i love gail gail is such a cunt in this she's a bitch and she knows she's a bitch yeah (laughs) she doesn't care she doesn't care but uh she does the right thing at the end i suppose Watching her pop up with that gun. Hell yeah. So great. Yeah. So great. Sisters doing it for themselves. <laughs> yeah. Having each other's backs. Mm-hmm. And look at that. They She punched her earlier in the movie, and now they're helping each other. Now they help each other, right? Women, women helping women. Grow. Women helping women. Be best. Be best, ladies. <laughs> Lean when Gail, when Gail also isn't just fat shaming her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also, I so I fell as I watched this. I fell deep into the Gale Weathers continuum <laughs> time box where oh. I was at at moment. Now Gale has become such a phenomenon that for me it was impossible to also remove her from Sherry O'Terry as Gale in mm. <laughs> Scary Movie, but then to also remove her from Parker Posey as Courtney Cox as Gale Weathers yeah. in Scream Three. It's like a it's it's like a Hamlet, you know. When you say Gail Weathers, you say which one, which performance is it? Mel Lawrence Gibson? Olivier. Is it Lawrence Mel Olivier? Gibson? Is it uh, I don't know, 
Mary Martin. Did she ever play Hamlet? <laughs> Mary Martin is <laughs> Hamlet. Yeah, and he flew around. Yeah. They put was, him on strings. He's the tiniest Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of the production. <laughs> the littlest Hamlet. Mary Martin is the littlest Hamlet. <laughs> in which no one dies. Hamlet can fly. Hamlet can fly. <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> oh my god, I love Scream. Yeah. Oh, that's it's funny. good. It's good. It's uh, that's funny. It's good. Do David Arquette is supposed to be twenty five in this film? Yeah, I that I lost my mind when he said that. I was like, "How old am I?" <laughs> I mean, he probably like was about twenty. He probably was. Yeah. I feel like everyone in this movie looks like they're thirty. Yeah. Um, but I think Nev Campbell was actually close to the age at I think, the time, right? I think they were, like, they were probably most early 20s to late 20s, most of them, playing yeah. teenagers, which is usual for these things. Drew was, like, mid-20s by this point, yeah. at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, David Arquette. Oh, I love seeing David. I love, let me tell you, as much as, as much as, as silly as Dewey is and as useless as he could be and kind of is... <laughs> And he also, too, could easily die. Uh, I love seeing that Dewey and Gale chemistry. Oh. It really was a thing, I think, with those two. Well, yeah, then they got married. Yeah. And then they got divorced. And then they got divorced. And then they did Scream 4. Yeah, well, they'll probably do Five Cream. Five Cream. Right? What else is Courtney Cox got going on? You tell oh, me, God. tell me she's not going to come back for Gail Weathers. Come on, it's like one of her most. I mean, there's this and Friends. As far as iconic in Cougar Town, <laughs> that could be the faggiest thing you've ever said. <laughs> I didn't even watch it. Jason did. I never it. <laughs> but I mean, as far if you're going to call it a Courtney Cox iconic role, Gail Weathers oh, yeah. is pretty iconic. Gail Weathers is the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Who didn't want to be a tabloid reporter and sell out <laughs> young traumatized girls so that you could make your money? Exactly. Right? She was also, just, what the, just leaning in. What the fuck is Liv Schreiber's like one second cameo in a background <laughs> on yeah. TV? Was he? I I should have looked like where he was career wise when this happened. Like I mean, for I him to like... just do a, a wordless cameo. I feel like he was already an up-and-comer. Like, I feel yeah. like wasn't Day Trippers with Parker Posey and stuff had already happened. That's true. Like, yeah. I feel like he was a thing. That It seemed really surprising. He was... Like, I don't know. This was one where they said, like, they pretended they were surprised that they were doing a sequel, it felt like. Mm. Um, and that they wanted Scream to be a one-off and, like, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, they really planned, knew how to plan for a sequel with this. Oh, Kevin Williamson with, like, wrote it as... wrote had two and three in mind when he wrote the first one. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah he he, so like, he wanted to sell this as, like, the beginning of a franchise. Seeing, knowing that they have leave there just to have on hand for later. And yeah. knowing that he can act. Right. And, then, and knowing to keep Gale and Dewey alive. Right. Uh, and, like, just, like, it's like, oh, they plan. This is some good planning right here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Personally, I don't think the planning worked out. <laughs> no. <laughs> but there was an idea. And that's something that is also contentious to say, but I'm le- I don't know. We all know Scream Three is terrible. I can say that. I have no. I mean, 
if I don't have super strong feelings about the first one, I'm certainly not going to have strong feelings about the rest. If people enjoy them, that's fine. My big takeaway from every sequel to this is being excited because an actress was going to be in it. And then I saw the movie and I said, well, that wasn't very good. Yeah. But I enjoyed yeah. seeing that actress. I mean, incredible roster. Parker yeah. Posey. Parker Laurie Posey. Metcalf. Laurie fucking Metcalf. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Portia de Rossi's 90s eyebrows. Um, with Rebecca else? Gayhart. Thank you. Uh, Mary McDonnell in Scriforum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Marley Tori. Shelton. Marley Shelton. Tori Spelling. Tori Spelling. Heather Graham. Yeah. Great women movies. <laughs> not so great. And then Jenny McCarthy being like, hi. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Simpler time. Simpler Loved time. her once. Loved her once. Jenny oh, well. Mac- back in the day when Jenny McCarthy could be in a scream and Carmen Electra could be in the parody. <laughs> Those were the days. And I, and I watched them and I said to myself, I remember them from Singled Out yeah. last year. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> the wow. Fuck? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a fan of the sequels. I like. I have a. I still have a love in my mind for the second one. Um, I was a huge fan of the second one in in my youth. I watched it about a year within the last year, and I. I honestly, I just felt like it was a little racist and not that clever. Um, but I love Laurie Metcalf. Always. So you know, uh, and I always want to rewatch the third one just because of Parker Posey. As terrible as that movie is, oh yeah, uh, Scream Four I thought did not work, but but watching this, I saw you know how smart screenwriting works. So I was like, oh, Gail Weathers put the camera at the party in the first movie, and in the fourth movie, she puts a camera at a party. Yeah, that's and called foreshadowing. Like, yeah, it's like George Lucas says, it's like rhy- it's like poetry. It rhymes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Those are my contentious thoughts on the Scream franchise. Very contentious. Hot button issue. I know. I know. We'll We're going to get what... canceled for this. Yeah, this will be what cancels us finally. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see how Five Cream goes. I'm not excited about it. I don't really care. But I'm curious. Will it they have. To... I feel like it's going to star a YouTuber. And I have no, like, it's going to be, like, Five Cream starring David Arquette and PewDiePie. PewDiePie, I was going to say, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, the opening scene will be them unboxing something. (laughs) Yeah. I just also, you get to a point in your life where it's like, these movies are not for me anymore. You know what I mean? Like, slasher movies in particular are for the young folk you know, teenage crowd are the ideal audience for them. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy them. Or if you want to be 120 and still go see slasher movies, that's fine. But also, you know, I don't know. I'm not one who partakes in much teen entertainment these days, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, Columbo, besides Columbo. There's Columbo. (laughs) All the teens at at the sock hop. Are talking yeah. about Columbo. At the box social. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I mean. Like, it's just, I don't know. So will yeah. I see it? Who knows? 
oh, I'll absolutely see it. And then I'll walk out of it just complaining. And everyone that went goes with me, well, let's be real, it's never going to happen. Right. <laughs> As I yeah, begin yeah, to describe yeah. the scenario, I'm like, oh, wait. Going to a theater? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, wait, that doesn't happen anymore. Everything's yeah. gone. Yeah. Um, Stacy. Huh? Do we have a listener question today? We have a shit, like a bunch of them. It looks like there's a lot of words in this question. <laughs> We have a bunch of them. <laughs> a bunch of words. Yeah, we do have a question. Uh, okay. Uh, it comes from William. Or is it Will I Am? I don't know. I think it's William. The esteemed yeah. hip-hop musician? Exactly. Um, what, in your opinion, is the horror franchise with the overall best quality control? That is, which longish-running horror movie series has the most entries, which you unreservedly enjoy? And the fewest numbers of entries you dislike. And what do you think is the secret of its success? Oh. I told you there's a lot of words. So I feel like the obvious answer is not Scream, based on our thoughts we just shared. No, the obvious answer is Poison Ivy. (laughs) 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 Duh. Jamie, Jamie, Jamie King? Was it Jamie Presley, King? Presley, the other Jamie one. Jamie Presley. Jamie Presley gave us a master class in that yeah, third movie. I haven't even seen the fourth one, but I feel confident <laughs> knowing it's a Lifetime movie with someone named Azalea, which, if you'll note, is a plant, huh? Like a poison <laughs> ivy is. Okay. The obvious answer is poison ivy. No, that's not true. <laughs> The obvious answer is Children of the Corn, or Anthony, as your people might know it, Children of the Maze. (laughs) 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 Fuck you, I love that you worked that in just for that. Just for that joke. Yep. That was no. good. Yeah. That no. was good. Did you Thank write you. that in your notebook last night? I wrote a bunch of I wrote a bunch of series. Um no, the obvious answer is <laughs> Amityville Horror. You can't I mean, how is that not the answer? There's a haunted floor lamp. There's a haunted clock. There's a haunted uh, painting. There's a haunted doll house. And in the first one, a nun throws up. How is this not the greatest franchise of all time? How is everybody not talking constantly? Why are we talking about Five Cream when we could be talking about Amityville and the L's are a ones, so it's Amityville Lebanon? <laughs> right. That's what it says on the box. That's the the pull quote is um. <laughs> In the first one, the nun throws up. Stacey Ponder, final girl. That's right. I mean. That's all you need to know. Listen, I I saw the halfway to Black Friday vinegar syndrome sale, and I bought the Amityville Cursed Objects collection. Good for you. Because I said I've never seen these, and that goddamn Stacey keeps talking them up. They're terrible. (laughs) You're welcome. I saw that you got a little souvenir yourself. I did from Mikey at Buttercruds on Etsy. I got my possessed floor lamp plushie. Finally. Finally. It is in my clutches. Uh, Will never leave my side. 
Whichever side of the room I'm sitting on, the possessed floor lamp sits with me. And so does my Susie Banyan that I also oh. got from Mikey. You, they were on my Instagram stories. Do you follow me on Instagram? You miss hot content like that. Watching the little plushy Suspiriorum do the folk dance. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next thing I hear at last and just see the floor lamp pop up. <laughs> yeah. uh, you say to yourself, does that reconstitute air she's breathing? Yeah, going on how many hours inside? <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh... So those are my answers. Uh, what's the real answer? Which one has the best films overall? Ay, ay, ay. I mean, they all get terrible, right? Uh, I know you're going to say Child's Play. I was going to say they all get, I would argue all but one get terrible. You know what my answer is. Yeah, Child's Play. Uh, <laughs> Psycho. <laughs> Thank you for... <laughs> So anyway, took away your agency, didn't? (laughs) Psycho is good. Three is wackadoodle, but it's fun because it's wackadoodle. Three is great. It is legit shocking how good two and three are. I love Psycho two so much. Psycho two is a completely different film. It's sleazier. Yeah, and yet everything about it works so well. And the whole time you were like, "How is this this good?" If there's a film that does not need any fucking sequels, it's Psycho. And yet, here comes Psycho 2. And I say, first of all, you have Prime Meg Tilly. So, of course, I am inclined to enjoy it. But even aside from 1982 Meg Tilly, it's a great fucking movie. And you say to yourself, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's the pull quote. <laughs> I'm full of them, baby. Yeah, and then uh, and then you get um, what's her? Oh my God, Vera, uh, Vera Miles. Um, Vera Miles comes back. Yeah, and dies ooh. a shocking gory Don't, death. don't spoil. If you haven't seen Psycho too. Yeah, don't. I'm so sorry. I rewind and then <laughs> pause it and then go back and watch it oh, on your okay. own time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Amazing. And then Psycho 3. I love Psycho 3. Psycho 3 Great cuckoo. fucking soundtrack. Um, absolutely bonkers. Directed by Anthony Perkins. Lots of gay vibes. You get, uh, you get, um. You get Jeff uh, Fahey of the Lawnmower s- Man. You bloody get... little scumball Jeff Fahey. Yeah. You get Juliet Commons from Slumber Party Massacre 2 and Friday the 13th Part 5. You get Cat motherfucking Shay, director of what? Poison Ivy. <laughs> it all comes back to poison. Move ivy. over, Kevin Bacon. Everything is six degrees of poison ivy. <laughs> now I haven't seen Psycho Four, which was also like Poison Ivy, the made-for-TV one. Yeah, it's it's a Mick Garris film, so you know. Oh, but it does star <laughs> Olivia Hussey of Black Christmas. So wait, is she Mrs. Bates? She sure is. Oh my God! Uh, and uh, Henry Thomas is Norman. Wait, the little, um... The little E.T., the little... The little, and the the, little and now, now he's, he's the Flanagans. Now he's the Flanagans, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So there you go. I think Psycho might be my answer in terms... It's not necessarily my favorite franchise, but I think in terms of film quality, I think that's my actual answer is Psycho. Yeah. 
I didn't even consider that because I, so I went, obviously, well, we know my answer is Child's Play. Yeah. I think every one of those movies is perfect. I, and <laughs> even part three, a lot of people have issues with three. I love three. I think they're all perfect. And even the films that step dramatically away from the franchise, like Seed of Chucky, are so perfectly their own weird thing <laughs> that they work great even if they aren't doing what the rest of the franchise was doing. So obviously, there we go. We all know I love Child's Play. That's my answer. But I was considering, I I didn't even think of Psycho because I was thinking, well, the two best ones are obviously Child's Play or Friday the 13th. Right. I didn't even think of Psycho. Well, it doesn't doesn't feel like a franchise, right? Yeah, that's the thing. It's nothing about, like, Friday the 13th, it's just like how you said Kevin Williamson wrote Scream to be a franchise. Like, Friday the 13th was that. Right. Like Adrienne told us, you know, they, they had a, they had a date. Right. (laughs) They had a title. Yeah. And they were just going to build a whole thing around that. Right. And that's what it is. You know, I don't consider The Exorcist a franchise, but it is. Yeah. There's a shit ton of Exorcist movies. Yeah, there's way more than there needs to be. Way more than there needs to be. There's about four more than there needs to be. Yeah, but that's not, uh, that's another one that doesn't, like, what do I think of a franchise? Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Halloween. Hellraiser. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are the the major, Saw, I guess, are like the major super duper franchisey ones. Yeah. Are we leaving one out of there? It's like an alien, maybe. Alien. You said Nightmare? I said Nightmare. Friday, Nightmare. Halloween. Hellraiser, Saw. Texas Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw. I don't... No, 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 no. No, thank you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I know people love part two. Stacey Ponder says, one and done. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like the clown town of part two, but that's a very different thing. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you think is the secret of its success for your choice? I think Psycho, they're just good movies. <laughs> like, go figure. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I would argue with Child's Play also. Hmm. Okay. Like, it's just good movies made by people that care about them. Clearly. Mm. Okay. Allow it. Like Friday the Thirteenth, I guess why Friday the Thirteenth didn't make it for me is like, and I think it does the same thing where it's like, well, they just didn't they tr- they kept it simple. They knew like, okay, all you need are just a bunch of stupid kids to show up and they just all get killed, right? And that works great. Versus like Halloween, they tried to work in like, yeah, I mean they they tried to have like the narrative thread of of Laurie's bloodline and. Michael verse and the curse of Thorn and like yeah, all and it, druids and it's just like it's so it just doesn't work yeah um versus Friday they're just like no let's just it's 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 I mean they went to clown town with like a now that's the versus a telekinetic girl or now Jason's a zombie or now you know right but the basic formula like for as many risks as they took and they really did throughout yeah. like from five on they took risks um, the basic formula was the same every time. Yeah, and I think that's the secret to the success of Friday the 13th. Yes. Um, but, and and for me, like, I would consider the franchise ends at eight. Oh, for sure. 
Yeah, like same. I don't give a shit about anything after that. And even eight's terrible, but it's I enjoy it. But it's I the last. It. It's the last Paramount movie for me. The Paramount yeah, eight, yeah. baby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's. I think that's why that doesn't make it, but um, yeah, yeah. Child's Play. It feels like it felt like. I mean, Don Mancini was the driving force and loved it and wanted to have fun making these movies and make a different movie every time. Right. Uh, Psycho. They're really good. They're. Sh- it, that's the thing about Psycho is they are just. We never asked for a sequel. It seems wrong, and yet they work so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like if Exorcist 3 was the only sequel to Exorcist. Oh, I still need to I'll see give it up. A, you've never seen it? No. Oh, no, I'm dying to see it. Wow. That's that's a good movie. Yeah, that's all I've heard is how good it is. Yeah. But Listen. I've also, that's the only good one, right? Because I've seen yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. I've seen more Exorcists than I care to see. Two yeah. is its own thing. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah. You know, but um, yeah, so that's my Ansar I love it. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. We'll see next week, next time, how many more holes have formed in my brain from the reconstitution well, there. Well, Stacey, you can't let all the whole worms take over yet because we have a very exciting episode planned for next week. I know we do. <laughs> You guys, I'm serious. Next week, man. It okay. We're we're not gonna tell you what it is. We have something really exciting planned that like you're gonna lose your mind. Any listener of this show, yeah. Um, or you're just gonna be like, really? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you're gonna lose. We're 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 already losing our mind. So we have that exciting thing planned. Um, uh, Rumork has that free issue up. Oh yeah, yeah. You can get a free digital issue of Rumorg magazine um and uh consider a subscription to rumorg if you get the free issue and you like it consider subscribing i just got my i'm gonna sound like one of those people that is on a podcast and they say like i got my free toothbrush and i love it i keep it next (laughs) to my free bra did you know that you can have the bra custom measured to your cup size like (laughs) Okay, first of all, that would be amazing. Second of all, where is this get a bra when you buy toothpaste deal? Because I I don't know if you know what bras are for. But also bras bras are insanely expensive. So if there was any company that was like, buy this toothpaste and get a free custom fitted bra... I don't care if that toothpaste is made of battery acid. First of all, I guess <laughs> I could just not use the toothpaste, right? I don't know. <laughs> you, you get it for the bra, but then you still feel required to use the acid <laughs> yeah. toothpaste. Well, they did give me this great bra. Oh, it burned off all my teeth. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I guess I deserve it because yeah. this is such a great bra. Yeah. Use code Debra Hill for 50% <laughs> off your fitted bra with free. I would love that deal. Well, to, to, so to risk sounding like that podcaster, um, <laughs> I did, and no one paid me to say this, I did go in and I bought my two-year subscription to Rumorg. Um, oh. You can do one year, you can do two year, you can do a digital subscription. 
or you can do a, a in paper. Like I said, I said, I want the physical product to flip through because my eyes don't pay attention yeah. to pixels very well. You can't. What are you going to do? Clutch your Kindle to your bosoms? No, you're going to clutch your pile of room morgues. Exactly. Because, you know, if you're getting a horror mag, you need to be like under the sheets and your little fort with your flashlight and you get mm-hmm. and you give yourself the willies. And then you're like, oh, my God, the cardboard cutout from Three Men and a Baby is standing right behind me. <laughs> Think of your children. What will you pass on to them? Right. Exactly. When you die, you'll lose all your digital rights. <clears throat> your children mm-hmm. will not inherit all of the art that you've purchased, all of the music, all of the books and magazines. As always, I say, can we think of the children? Everyone knows this is my... Stacy is at the foremost concern with the children. <laughs> so you can get your free issue of Remark online. Um, another fun thing coming up on June 4th. I am leading, uh, here in in Portland, we have uh, Movie Madness, the video store. I've talked about it many times on the show. Um, Because everything is closed, we are opening up Movie Madness University. Uh, We were going to have an education program happen at the actual store, uh, but then pandemic hit. So we have taken it online. So I uh, I will have my very own Trump You seminar. <laughs> um, we, I'll be we're we're launching a film appreciation series. Uh, we just did a Hong Kong like action um, seminar on the Chinese boxer with our head programmer. Um, we are doing another one on June fourth with Pride Month. Um, I'm going to be doing a seminar on one of my favorite queer horror films, and maybe one of your favorites if you're a good listener, and that is Suspiria, the 2018 beautiful, <gasps> beautiful, beautiful masterpiece of a film. Stacy, you might have heard of it. No. Oh, I love the original one. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah, I don't know why they needed to get rid of Goblin and those colored lights. <laughs> um, so uh, how it works is you you sign up. Um, it costs ten dollars. We send you a video that's me talking at you, pontificating about the film and the significance of it. Um, You watch the movie, and then on June 4th at 7.30 uh, Pacific Time, we all sit down and have an online discussion where you bring in questions, and I bring in some background and some context, and we just unpack the beauty, or unbox the beauty that is Suspiria. Um, And that will happen. Once again, the live discussion is on June 4th, um, but you can get tickets. I think by the time this episode is out, tickets will be up and you can access those at moviemadness.org. Um, the full link is actually moviemadness.org slash miniplex slash MMU. And that's for Movie Madness University. So pay attention to that. It'll be really fun. I'd love to have some Gaylords listeners bring your Suspiria love and expertise to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yay. Cool. Wow. Until then, until then, you know what? My living room has four walls. Who knows where I'm going to sit tonight? (laughs) Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my god! god. Oh my god! God. Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness!